Hello, everyone. How are y'all doing today? So as always, uh, these podcasts are completely off the cuff, and I don't script or edit anything. So I I will see what comes through. <laughs> today, though, I I the intention is to talk about shame and vulnerability, and what is. I guess inspiring me to do this podcast today is the other day I wrote a very vulnerable post um, about my childhood and specifically about my relationship to to fa- to the father, to fathers or to, to, to men, I guess I could even branch out into. And basically in a nutshell shared how you know, I, I, my father was a very um, messed up man. He had his own very abusive, traumatic childhood. And, you know, unfortunately, as human beings, if we don't do the work, if we don't heal our wounds and our trauma, we replicate them. We hand them over to other people. <laughs> and so suffice it to say, he was, you know, emotionally very abusive. He was physically very threatening. I mean, he was really not well, let's just say. <clears throat> Narcissistic, manipulative. And long story short, um, basically my mom and I and her, she had, she had separated. She had basically uh, escaped, <laughs> uh, to say the least, and was able to kind of separate for him, from him. And then a little bit further down the road, um, when he was in prison, we and my mom and I and her then new partner, we we fled the country, and we went from England to to Italy for a little bit of time. So, but but for me as a child, there was no, there had been no explanation as to what was happening. And so literally from, you know, I had already been used to kind of going between my mom and dad for maybe a half a year, I'm not sure. And I had visceral, visceral memories of that. And I, and I had visceral memories of recognizing that even at like three years old, uh, I, could, I could tell that my father was like not, not right. That it was like, wait, aren't you meant to be the adult in this situation? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you are. So I, I was tuned in, I, I, you know, I had this belief that children actually are so much more aware than we give them credit for. They might not be able to make sense logically, but their emotional being takes everything in and has an intuitive understanding of what's going on. And so clearly things were going on from one day to the next. I never saw my father again, but there was no explanation. So there was all there was was confusion. I I had no idea. My first stepfather was really, um, really, really wonderful, which I was so grateful because that at least, even though he wasn't my true father, my real blood father, I did have the sense that he, I I felt like he was my father. And for the, for the most part, he was amazing. He was really amazing. And I'm so grateful for that period in my life where he was solid. However, in my post, I did share how he spanked me so bad one time um, for what could have felt like an hour. Who knows? It might have been 30 seconds, but it felt like a very long time. And it never left me. You know, there's so many things in life where you can go, oh, you know, I forget this and this and this and this. But what I recognize is that trauma, 
you never forget it. Whether it's a physical trauma, an emotional trauma, even if it's, if it's watching a film that is traumatic or violent or scary, it stays in your body and your being forever until you, you go in and you do the healing work. So I'll never forget that. Then of course, <laughs> he, not, not of course, then what happened next is we had moved to America and that was already a huge transition for me. Huge. I was, had just turned seven. I remember being terrified of moving to America because the impression that I had even as a seven-year-old seven is that it was really scary um, and that there were a lot of guns. And I remember being at my babysitter's house with her parents and they were watching MacGyver, an episode of MacGyver, and in it somebody had injected poison into an orange and I just thought, uh, there's no way I can move to America. People poison each other there. So it was a really huge transition for me to move there. I had a lot of fear and it really came up in my body when when we moved there. And I was very, you know, I was a kid that I think was initially shy, but then was very gregarious and playful and cheeky. But I remember it being a real kind of like a cat thrown into a new into a new place, into a new room and just going, OK, where am I? And if I look back, I, I see that I, I learned throughout my life, you know, being in different situations, in different countries, in different environments, that I learned how to adapt very well and very quickly. However, there's always an element of shock or trauma or confusion you know there's transition and especially if it's if it's not held with the clear explanation of this is what's going on I mean this is this is at least what I've chosen to do with my child is that I'm very communicative with her because they understand they understand in their own way and maybe it's just me um, you know, healing my own wound of having wished that somebody would have just said, hey, this is what's going on and you're not alone and you're included and I'm here for you and I'm supporting you. Like I, I always felt very loved by my mother, but I never felt like she talked to me about these things. So I felt very, very alone. So we had moved there. It had been, I think, less than six months or around six months. And then literally from one day to the next, my stepfather, whom I, who I really loved, disappeared and I didn't know until a lot later that it wasn't him leaving it was actually my mom my mom had kind of fallen out of love with him and she had kind of been drawn to someone else and but what's interesting for me about that story and you know there was there was another stepfather that came into my life which I explained in the post and you know again he was kind of relaxed and wonderful he gave me freedom but he he did end up being very 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 close literally like a, a hair's thread away from molesting me luckily he pulled his hands off of my body and as I wrote my post I, I felt like there must have been an angel overhead um, looking after me to just take his hands off my body and just spare me an ounce of innocence and you know, the, and then it was like never, never again. And, and that was a huge changing point, obviously, in my relationship to him. And eventually down the road, they also separated. But my point 
I know I'm just dipping into this very quickly, but my point is that I always had this belief then that came out of that, that um, men leave. Men are constantly leaving. They come into my life. They kind of act like they're supportive and loving and like a father figure, and then they leave. And I had to do so much work around this, so much inner child work around feeling abandoned and alone and that, you know, men are disappointing and men leave. And what's remarkable is the, the stories that we tell ourselves, because yes, that, that in part was true for me. However, I never really looked at it from the perspective of like, well, what, what was my mom's part in this? And what I'm realizing after, thankfully, I have a great relationship with her and I'm able to talk with her is that she, she also made her choices and she, she left, you know, sometimes for very good reason, sometimes maybe because she couldn't handle what was in front of her and didn't maybe, in my opinion, choose the best way of extricating herself, you know. However, we're all human. We all have our, our shit. We all have our coping mechanisms. And it, it just points, it makes the point that, my God, we have to make our patterns and our triggers and our wounds and our fears and our insecurities, we have to make them conscious because if we don't, we're in reactive mode. And whenever we would just react to something without awareness, it doesn't often go very well, right? Because it's not aware, it's not held with consciousness, where when we're with consciousness with something, we can respond, we can choose how we respond. We, we are engaged, we're empowered. So where does this leave me talking about shame and vulnerability? You know, I think we all have a story in our life to varying degrees. You know, I have a lot that I could go into. I think me sharing that post and sharing the vulnerability of just my sadness over, you know, feeling like I never had a father, feeling like I don't know what it's like to be held and loved and adored um, and safe. Like, I don't, I don't know, I don't really have that ingrained in my body and being and in my belief system that a man is just going to hold me and love me and not leave me and that I'm important that I'm insignificant you know when you see fathers that and I'm not I'm not talking about the whole kind of daddy's little girl but like fathers that are just they love their daughter they love their child they're there they're the divine masculine that is like I'm gonna love you and support you and protect you and I and as I said in my post I I had to learn how to hold my back up you know, again, I felt so much love from my mom, but that's a different energy, right? I never had the energy of the masculine really holding me. And if anything, I had the imprint of the masculine hurts you. They leave you. They physically abuse you. They, um, they betray you. And I think a lot of, you know, the, a lot of what's come out of this post is people saying, oh yeah, my... I didn't, my father was around, but I didn't have a great relationship with him. I've had many clients that it's like they've grown up with their father, but they felt like their father wasn't present. This is becoming a podcast about fathers, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think it's the whole, it's the whole how society has defined a man. You can't be emotional. You can't be vulnerable. You have to, you know, be tough and strong and provide for the family. However, it's just, it, it made men a very kind of robotic 
um, version of themselves, whereas I think men are actually incredibly sensitive and emotional, just very, um, have been taught to be very disconnected. And yes, they're, they're, they function differently than women. Their brains are different. However, I do think it's a very cultural conditioning of a very patriarchal condi- cultural conditioning of what a man is supposed to be. And so therefore they couldn't be present emotionally to their partner, to their children. I'm generalizing, but you know, for the point of the topic, uh, I'll leave it at that. So what am I trying to say here? So we all, we all have our story, right? We all have trauma. We all have wounding. It doesn't, it doesn't even matter how great our childhood was. There's still shit that happens or how we perceive life that, that can create a wound. And, and it's my personal belief. I might've shared this already before that our wounding is what makes us human. It, what, it's what brings us into our physical form and, it creates this opportunity for transformation, for metamorphosis, for remembering who we truly are on a, on a higher level. And there's nothing like pain and suffering to be the catalyst for that. There's nothing like pain and suffering to, um, we can either remain asleep to it and then be in pain virtually for our whole life, or we can awaken to it and understand how to actually come towards ourselves with absolute love, unconditional love, and not only heal these aspects of ourselves, which feels amazing, it's such a relief, but to actually really see, maybe for the first time, who we truly are, because we are often behind the veils of our beliefs, of our fears, of who we think we should be, of our lack of self-worth, of our shame, and so we're not really connected to who we truly are. And if we can go on that journey and discover who we are underneath all of these layers of our experiences that we've had in life, which also are the very thing that make us who we are, if, if we can not reside in shame, which I'll get to in just a second, that process is so empowering, is so beautiful to be able to see that kind of transformation, to feel it, to experience it. And, you know, I, I, it's what I love about my job because I get to witness that which is just extraordinary. It really feels like an honor. And I've experienced it within myself. And, and there's such a, a, it's just beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. But shame is the thing that really, um, it's what we don't talk about. And I know Brene Brown has come out a lot, you know, saying that like shame, the best thing you can do for shame is you can talk about it because shame wants to hide. Shame doesn't want to be talked about. Shame has all of the coping mechanisms and facades to be like, I'm good. I'm great. And what's, again, what's so fascinating is we, we have lived, I think it's changing now, but we've lived primarily, primarily in a culture that's like, no, you, you need to be happy and positive and successful all the time. And there's nothing human about that. You know, even the spiritual community is like, be positive, you know, just stay positive. And there's nothing about the shadow side of our, of our, of our nature. And, and to me, it's like, I almost am going beyond the word shadow because it's just a part of our humanity, sadness, depression, anger, envy, um, insecurity, fear, uh, all of these emotions that we define, we judge 
it's a judgment in my mind. We judge as bad or negative. And I've always hated the term positive emotions, negative emotions. No, they're just emotions. They're just colors of a color wheel. That's it. And, and we've, we've kind of exiled this part of our humanity. And then that actually creates even more shame because it's like, wow, I had these experiences in my life that were hard, that scared me, that made me feel um, insecure, that made me feel ashamed of who I am, for example. And what's worse than just the pain and the suffering of that is, we have been taught that we're not allowed to talk about these things. And that's hugely disempowering because now not only have we had this experience that was either traumatic or painful that caused us suffering, but we can't feel it within ourselves. So we're, we're neglecting and negating it within ourselves. So there's this part that there's the void, right? Oh, and then it's like, where's the relationship? Where's the man or woman that's going to complete me? Yeah, it's because there's this void inside of ourselves, this little child within ourselves that is desperate to just be held and we're looking to the external world to do the holding when we have to do that within ourselves. We have to fill the void from because it, it's from the inside out because it began from the inside out. Even if it was in reaction to something outside of us, the feeling, the gaping hole is within us and nothing on the outside can fully fill it because if it's not filled from the inside out then you know it's just patchwork it's just a band-aid and not really the healing of the core wound but on top of that it's like okay we can't talk about it we can't share it and so the shame comes in of like well but I shouldn't feel like that and vulnerability you know, for me, I've really found that vulnerability is incredibly empowering. And again, you know, I really tip my hat off to Brene Brown for bringing that into the mainstream um, to really redefine what vulnerability is, that it's not weakness, but that it's actually really hugely empowering. And that it goes hand in hand with shame, because if we can just share our experiences, our experiences, our experiences is like, you know, I couldn't have said, I couldn't have made my stepfather nearly molest me. That was never my fucking fault. Excuse my language. That was never my fault. It had nothing to do with my worth. But this is what we do. Something must have been wrong with me, is what, is what we've been taught to, to tell ourselves. Something must have been wrong with me to, for me to deserve that. Or we just take the shame because it physically feels so disgusting. What, what was weird for me is initially I just, with that experience of being very, you know, and, and I will say I was molested because the line had been crossed. It just could have been crossed to a further point that it would have really, really been damaging for me. But the point is I have to own it was already a molestation. And, you know, for... For several years, I was okay, and I, I never, I, I, I don't know why, I never chose to tell my mom. I just kind of, I was so strong. I was 15 years old at the time, and I was so kind of used to already being like independent and taking care of myself and just getting on with things. I'd already experienced so much trauma on my own, you know, in, in my own internal world that I think I just kind of got on with it. But once I started talking about it, once I started going to therapy, 
you know, then it, then it all started to come to the surface and, you know, to the point where I remember it's like I, I felt even just uncomfortable being naked or like taking a shower, like never mind any kind of pleasure, right? What would go through my mind in the midst of that. And it was hugely uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable for, for, I don't know, a year or two. But moving through that process is what I was working with a hypnotherapist and I had this vision of myself um, being on the on the ground in child's pose and there's shattered glass all around me. And I knew immediately when I saw that vision, I knew what it meant. And to me, to me, what it signified for myself, because of course, this is coming from my mind, my imagination, my subconscious is that all the shards of glass represented wounding, pain, suffering, trauma, all of the things that I had experienced in my life that scarred me or that hurt me or that, you know, made me bleed, so to speak, metaphorically. And I knew that they all happened because it was an opportunity for me to have greater compassion and empathy for humans, for humanity, for humankind. Because we all have walked on shards of glass. We've all experienced a version in some shape or form of pain, of suffering, because it this is is being human we're not taught that because like everything on social media and before it was magazines and you know television and films and the happily ever after and even disney you know oh the prince comes and saves you and then you know you live happily ever after and then all of a sudden in life real life hits you and you're like shit this isn't like the movies even now, it's like, shit, my life doesn't look like everybody else's on Instagram. Yeah, because that's not really real. That's just a snapshot that can be filtered and have like glittery stars and make it look all happy. It's like, but life isn't that, right? And we've really got to tell ourselves that that's not life. Life is the day-to-day. Life is the human experience that no image can truly capture until we actually share our story about it. And what has led me to have the courage to be able to share my story or to share the vulnerable aspects of myself is firstly because I've done a shit ton of work to come back home to myself and to really learn how to love and be with myself. And we don't love ourselves because we become perfect. We love ourselves because we accept our entire humanity and our entire experience and especially the experiences that we felt were shameful that we have shame around or that we have fear around when we can learn to love and embrace and accept those parts as a part of ourselves not to get rid of them I hear that so much from people that call me for a consultation how do I get rid of this part of me how do I fix it no no how do you include it with love so that you can alchemize it so that you can heal it and therefore transform it. There is no getting rid of. There is only embracing, loving, transforming through healing. At least that's been my experience and that's what I've witnessed in more than a decade of doing this work. So, you know, what's allowed me to share is that first and foremost, I feel safe within myself. I feel safe. I feel strong enough it's not even strong. I, I, I want to be careful using that word because we equate strength with toughness 
and I want to use it as I'm strong because I can sit and stand and hold my soft spots, my tender wounds. I can hold them and that's what makes me feel damn strong. It's a very different kind of strength. It's not the armored strength. It's an internal strength that's like, yeah, I'm vulnerable, vulnerable because I'm human. I've learned to embrace my sensitivity, my emotions. I don't judge them anymore. I hold them. I embrace them. I might still move through my shit, you know? I might still have my insecurities, my fears, my, you know, whatever, but I can be with them. And, and then, you know, there's been a power in sharing because I feel safe within myself. I can share. And then what's so beautiful is to see people be moved or touched by my sharing, by my vulnerability, because it allows them to feel their own vulnerability. It allows them to, to hold their own story and trauma without the shame. Because if you can name it, you name it. The shame can't exist. When you go, yeah, this is what happened to me. And I don't have any shame because this is just what happened. I couldn't, I couldn't have asked for it. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It just happened. You know, and, and with my stepfather that molested me, he, you know, from a higher perspective, from an adult mind, you know, I can see that he, he, he was molested as a child. He was abused as a child. And again, as I said in the beginning, if one does not heal their own trauma, they just replicate it. And on a macro level, this is what's going on in the world right now. There is a huge amount of trauma in the world that is needing to be healed right now. It's not just the individual, it's the collective, which is the makeup of all the individuals, but it's also just, you know, us as a humanity, as a collective, as a species. And, and what's amazing is if we can go through this dark night of the soul, both individually and collectively, the other side is, is remarkably beautiful because we're free then. We're not, in the, we're not confined by our pain and most especially we're not confined by our shame of our pain. Because I, I personally would love to see a world, a culture, a society that isn't so obsessed with pretending. Like, why are we pretending to be happy if we're not? Why are we pretending to be younger if we're growing older? Why are we pretending just, I don't know, there's so, you know, and I'm not saying that with any kind of judgment or blame, but it's been conditioned into us, right? But is it serving us? I don't think so. I don't think so because actually the rate of depression is through the roof. You know, it's not this message that we need to be perfect is just simply not serving us anymore because it does not, perfection does not equate happiness. Happiness for me has always been, am I at peace with myself? Or am I at war with myself because I'm not accepting of all aspects of myself? So I think we could really do with like putting down the facade and the fucking filters and just being like, okay, this is who I am and I'm not ashamed of it. And that's a journey, right? It doesn't happen overnight. It's a journey. It's a process. It requires support. But in my mind, it's, it's really worth it because if we want to really be free within ourselves, if we really want to feel liberated, we've got to move through the shame and the pain and the suffering and the trauma we have to the only way out is through
and it's got to be done with a, a hell of a lot of love. And then, and then really comes the liberation. And my sense is, so I, somebody wrote this, I think it was a comment, and I thought it was just so true, is if everyone dealt with their trauma and really healed, again, not to be perfect, but just to like accept being human, our world would look so different. Imagine everyone in power doing that. Oh my God, the world would be different. You know, there are such stupid games being played out because it's coming from greed and control and manipulation and fear. And all of that comes from a lack of self-worth. All of it. So I guess my invitation in sharing this today is just, can we begin to look at the parts of us that maybe we're ashamed of or we're scared of or we're still in pain with or maybe we don't even know because we haven't tapped into them but would we be willing to look at these parts of ourselves to have the conversation with ourselves with someone that we trust with someone that can guide us to actually do the work and to to heal it so that we're not having to carry these stories we're not having to carry the trauma the pain not that there's anything wrong with these things but if we get stuck in them we're not free we're not. We're replaying the same patterns over and over and over again. And we're constantly actually keeping ourselves at bay at an arm's length away because we're too scared to come to the come towards the, the little child within us that is just scared and is just needing a hug. It's really that simple. It's that simple. So I'm just putting the invitation out there that maybe we can start to do the inquiry, and to be gentle and kind and loving with ourselves along the way. Okay, thanks for listening. To be continued, sending you all love from afar.